0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host. And with me is my co host and resident office expert, Antoinette.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: Today we will be discussing season five, episode six employee transfer. In this episode, Michael, Holly, and Daryl hit the road, Pam plans a prank. And Dwight looks to further his education. This is technically a Halloween episode, as we see in the cold open. It is just like all the other Halloween episodes where that it's just in the cold open is really all we see of the celebration. Mm -hmm. And so we get a look at people in their costumes. Phyllis is dressed as Raggedy Ann. Kelly is Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and Ryan is Gordon Gecko from Wall Street Wall I believe Street. yeah
1: both are I will say that Kelly does a better job with her costume Gordon Gecko is one of those ones that's kind of tough cuz it's sort of generic but Carrie Bradshaw like has iconic outfits I guess if you watch the show and so I think that's what Kelly is going for is like one of those
0: I mean, I would say, in that sense, it is equally...
1: Oh, you think? Like,
0: you would... Phyllis had to ask who she is because oh. it isn't just a boom.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless you're... It's only it's you can dress up as one of the friends from Friends. There's not a set costume or there's not a costume that stands out as iconic. You would just look like someone dressing up from the 90s yeah a lot of people so okay you have to remember the time frame the dark knight had just come out uh i think maybe over the summer and three people in the office dress up as the joker the heath ledger version um creed dwight and kevin i would say creed's looks the closest to the movie for sure Angela and Andy have dressed up as cats, uh, very intricately so for Andy, I would say.
0: Yeah. Angela is doing her standard, um, just wearing some cat ears. I think she usually has a tail.
1: She has also. like a fur skirt, I yeah. would say.
0: And Andy goes full on like cat, the musical <laughs> yeah. makeup and attire. Yeah.
1: Like, it's like a leotard slash nylons, almost, that he's wearing. Oscar is, I think, like Uncle Sam. Yeah. And Jim, of course, is his standard, I will make this as easy as possible. And he has put on a one of those sticky name tags that says, Hello, my name is Dave. And Dave is his costume. Pam is still in New York City. She's still at corporate. It's one of her days to work, I guess. And she quickly finds out that no one at corporate takes Halloween as seriously as they do at the Scranton branch. And she has dressed up as Charlie Chaplin using grease paint for her mustache and eyebrows. And because she has used grease paint, she is forced to wear the bowler hat all day So, as she says, she does not look like Hitler.
0: We kick off the main part of the episode seeing the fallout of the end of last episode. So, as a reminder, after the fundraiser auction, Holly and Michael are seen kind of just flirting and kissing. And David Wallace sees this and says, nope, didn't know that they were dating. So, as a result... Holly has to be sent to Nashua for some reason.
1: I know this is for story and plot purposes, but it really doesn't make any sense. And it honestly doesn't really make any sense why they had to do it for story and plot. Other than Amy Ryan was probably a guest star. I don't know what it would have took to sign her to become a regular. Like if that was part of the issue... And they're like, oh, this is a limited time run for the character of Holly. It, especially if you know how the story ends up, it doesn't really make a ton of sense.
0: Yeah, and I, I feel like in this situation, especially with how new their relationship is, David Wallace probably would have just been like, all right, guys, I didn't see this. Sign a disclosure form and everything's fine.
1: Exactly, it seems like a really extreme reaction and it's never explained if the issue is Holly is part of HR, if it's because Michael is the boss of the branch, it just is never fully explained and then suddenly Holly's packing up a truck to move to Nashua.
0: So her and Michael are making the trip up there and Daryl is accompanying them driving the truck and on the way there they are talking about all the things that they are going to do and how they're going to make this work and you know sometimes Michael will go to Nashua sometimes Holly will come back to Scranton sometimes they'll just meet in the middle and so things start out pretty positively they are enjoying their time in the truck life is a highway the Rascal Flats version comes on and they, you know, are all kind of jamming along to that. And then we get another check-in with them, and Ever- the, the mood has gone down substantially. Daryl comments about how long of a drive this is, and Holly's just kind of like, yeah, man, it has been a bit. And Michael, who has been asleep, like just comes awake in a very startling way, and asks, hey, how long have we been driving? And it was like four hours, we're halfway. And every that kind of hits everybody there. Is that, oh, there's still a lot to go, and it, this already feels like it has been forever.
1: Before they left, Holly tells the camera crew that her and Michael really didn't have a discussion about what this meant for their relationship. Michael did ask Holly to quit her job at Dunder Mifflin and just find something else in Scranton and Holly says well why don't you quit your job and move to Nashua and then they do like a jinx thing because they say first at the same time and they've just never come back to the conversation and as they're at the halfway point and Michael had been envisioning this cute bed and breakfast and you know this great place they could come it would meet halfway and it doesn't exist because they're in the middle of probably i guess maybe new york central new york
0: northern new york maybe
1: yeah or very southern new hampshire at this point and there's not really a whole lot there there's this realization that comes over holly that they've only been dating for a couple weeks this is quite a distance I don't know if they've looked into the possibility of trains. I, I know that Amtrak's run pretty heavily throughout the Northeast. There is not an airport close to Nashua, though, so that would make it difficult to try and you know fly, which would also get expensive after a while. So she's coming to this realization, this is going to be really difficult.
0: And I think part of this is also on... Kind of Michael's just fantasy land that he yeah. lives in, in that, you know, when they pull off to the, pull off at the, you know, the halfway exit or whatever, and Michael's like, huh, I, I kind of pictured a hotel and blah, blah, blah. It's almost like that not being there. Eliminates that option of them meeting halfway. Like, right. it's, oh, well, since it's not exactly halfway, we can't do this anymore. Like, somebody can't drive an extra half hour one way or the other. There's apparently.
1: probably a city that at least has some sort of hotel relatively close to that halfway point. Holly starts crying in the truck, and they're in, they're packed in. Like, Michael is in the middle. Daryl's driving and Holly's on the passenger side and at first Holly kind of wants to brush it off and keep going but then she has to admit to Michael that this is not feasible as she can tell at first Michael resists he does the thing where it's like no you're not going to break up with me I refuse to be broken up with which is not a winning strategy um it's just not plausible to make someone be in a relationship and holly does want to be in the relationship she just knows that eventually it's gonna fizzle out unfortunately because they just don't have necessarily enough of a foundation over the course of three weeks of dating for this to really work
0: as you said michael is very resistant to this at this point he does his best to kind of talk Holly into thinking this is gonna work but eventually as the drive continues the realization starts to hit Michael as well and by the time they get to Holly's new place in Nashua they seem to kind of be mutually at the point where this isn't gonna work and this is kind of it for us and this is just this is very odd To me, in that, first of all, in true Holly and Michael fashion, it's never actually said that's what they're going to do.
1: Right. Yeah, everything kind of happens off camera with them. There was a point in the truck where Michael does start crying in an effort to convince Holly not to break up with him, saying, I'm not strong enough. I'll go back to Jan. I don't even like Jan. Please don't do this. But he doesn't even really help bring any of the boxes inside. He doesn't help Holly unpack any boxes. It's probably been a long day for everyone. How they were doing a round trip, 14 hours in one day, I don't really know. And he had plans. It appears that they had originally planned that Michael would stay the rest of the weekend with Holly. I don't know how he was getting back because the car wasn't being towed. Like there's a lot of logistical things happening with this move, but Michael declines to stay and they hug. There's no explanation. There's no further communication between the two of them. And they do end the visit with a kiss. And so it is a bit confusing as to how they're actually 100% leaving it.
0: And Daryl does kind of mention this on the the drive back. Daryl says, you know, I know that's tough. Breakups suck. And Michael says, we didn't break up. And Daryl's like, well, it's kind of what it looked like. Yeah. But the thing that kind of bothers me with this whole storyline is that Holly and Michael very clearly have a very deep relationship. They are very much alike. This has happened very, very fast. And neither one of them is willing to even give it a shot.
1: Yeah, that's uh, sad. It's kind of off-putting, especially because they both admit to having like a very good and deep connection between the two of them. And I'm going to bring this up now because I think it's worthy of discussion. There's this huge continuity air that really bothers me. I think it's just so lazy on the part of the writer, writer's room. And the continuity error is this. When Holly comes in the season four finale, she's an outside hire. She came from an outside company from Des Moines, Iowa. And they say, oh, well, she's getting transferred back to Dunder Mifflin, which makes no sense in the fact that Toby had to train her. She has no idea who Michael is. Mm-hmm. No, I had never met Toby. None of that makes any sense. And so I wish they wouldn't have said transfer back or whatever the case may be. It's just a transfer. So I've never liked or understood that forgetfulness by the writers. And there's a couple of these continuity things that have come up before, but to me, this is a really big one. This is your character backstory and why you're bringing them in and because she plays such an important role to the central character of the show this should have been properly checked out and I think that then goes to the fact of well why would she doesn't really necessarily have a ton of company loyalty or maybe a lot of let's say like PTO time yeah or benefits things like that built up with Dunder Mifflin it could have been somewhat easier for her to get a different job in Scranton we don't know how many companies they are it seems like she is firmly in human resources that's what her background is in and that could have been a way to make this work and I think that the long-term story arc I guess for Michael was he knows Holly is the one, but she's not completely sure of that at first. And so then they have to come back around to finding each other. And I don't know if this was always the end game because Steve Carell always had this length of contract. And I don't know if other people re-upped, we'll have to talk about that when that time comes in season seven. So I can't tell, yeah, this was always the end game for Michael, but this just really seems like a roundabout way to getting there.
0: Yeah. And just like in terms of logistics of the long-term relationship and them not even giving it a shot, like when they're discussing, you know, the, okay, we can meet here this one this weekend and then the next weekend it's this week. And Holly brings up a good point of it being an eight hour drive to Nashua. Even if he leaves at five, he's not getting in there until midnight, which then leaves them like 24 hours total to just have any kind of time together. And she asks, how long can we do this? And Michael's like, we could do that for a couple of years. That doesn't, that's obviously not feasible, but like, that's also not set in stone, like Holly could transfer to Hartford or Utica or Syracuse like one of a, a branch that is significantly closer than Nashua or Michael could get a job managing one of those branches at some point like right if it is something that you are willing to work at and it's something you want to do you're just going to keep your eyes open for any opportunity to move closer together or get back together at some point right I guess for me personally, I, I maybe I kind of mashed together the two phases of Michael and Holly's relationships. I always thought that the first part was longer. Like they are, mm. like this is like three episodes essentially of them dating and right. then she's gone. And right. so I always thought that this part was longer.
1: And I think, and we'll talk about this more in the season five finale which emphasizes how much Michael was like, this is 100% my person and how much Holly didn't, she knew she connected with Michael. She knew it was a good relationship. She knew she really liked him, but wasn't saying to herself, it's this guy or nothing. Like this guy is who I am meant to be with. So then the time she pops up between now and when she quote unquote really comes back, in season seven, it's just enough to reiterate to Michael. Yeah, that was the one like, this is the person I'm, I'm looking for this template of Holly. And in the end, it's Holly.
0: As Michael and Holly and Daryl are leaving, Michael says to Jim, Hey, you're in charge for the day. And Jim's like, okay, I'll walk you out. And he grabs his coat and his bag. And, Michael's like, yeah, go ahead and let people go home a little bit early tonight. And Jim's like, okay, yeah, sure. And then once Michael is out of earshot, he tells the camera, oh, no, I'm heading to New York for the rest of the day to go to lunch with Pam and my two brothers because they want to congratulate us and just celebrate the engagement.
1: And one brother is coming from Boston, and the other brother is coming from New Jersey, kind of feel bad for the one coming from Boston.
0: I kind of feel bad for Jim because, I mean, you have to assume New Jersey means like Newark. Like, right. Like New The Yor- Jersey New York, side of New York, New York City. New York City adjacent. Yeah. And so you have one brother in basically New York City. You have another brother in Boston and you have Jim in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Right.
1: Right, Jim's brothers, Pete and Tom, they seem a little bit older than Jim. Um, one, we already know that Jim has at least a nephew that plays baseball or T-ball because he's talked about missing some of his games. Again, a little bit of a continuity error. Not sure if he was perhaps driving to Boston or New York for that game, but there's that. Then at lunch... One of the brothers shows a a picture of his daughter playing the trumpet, and she looks to be about in middle school. So Jim might be the youngest of the three, which is not completely implausible.
0: Right. Pam has her own plans for this lunch, however, in that she wants to play a prank on Jim. And so she gets a hold of Jim's two brothers. They meet at the restaurant beforehand to try and plan this out. Pam's plan is that she lost her engagement ring in one of her smocks at art school and then had a whole backstory about how she tried to find it and everything like that.
1: Kind of a convoluted prank.
0: Yeah. Also, I don't know how the brothers are going to be involved in that one.
1: Right. And also, that's not really a prank. That's just sort of a... Panic inducing sort of thing, even if you didn't spend a lot of money on an engagement ring, which side note, it's made up that you need to spend three months' salary for an engagement ring. That is complete nonsense, come up by the diamond industry. So, if you're thinking about proposing whether you're a man or a woman, you don't have to spend three months' worth of salary to have a meaningful piece of jewelry. Really, what it is is the meaningfulness behind it. That's what makes it irreplaceable. And so that's, to me, what would be not a prank about it.
0: (laughs) Right. Pam's plan gets hijacked, however, when Jim's brothers decide they're going to go to an old page in the playbook and basically just bag on Pam for being an artist and about how she's never going to make any money or anything like that. And Pam kind of reluctantly goes along with this.
1: Apparently, maybe Jim is into the artsy type because Pete and Tom say this is a prank they used to play on his girlfriends when Jim was in high school.
0: I think that was more just generally. Oh, okay. they just kind of made fun of said girlfriend.
1: I just can't really imagine that.
0: Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) So Jim shows up and lunch is going well and Pete and Tom are kind of taking turns just getting in little jabs at not Pam specifically, but artists in general and the career path of an artist. And with every point that they make, Jim is very quick to step in and say, whoa, guys, hey, that's not the thing. That's not what's going on here. One of Jim's brothers says, I mean, I love baseball, but I can't go and play for the Mets because baseball is kind of my hobby and not like a thing I could do. And Jim makes a very good point here. It's like, well, Pam's going to Pratt. It's a really good art school. You made the JV team in (laughs) in high school. Right. Like there's a big difference here.
1: I don't love this storyline. It was such a bizarre part of the episode. Yeah. So eventually the brothers crack. It's hard to tell which one is which. They didn't actually differentiate between the two actors as one being Pete and one being Tom. And they just bust out laughing and tell Jim, like, we got you so good. Pam wasn't on it the whole time because she was getting kind of fired up. Not really fired up, but just upset. Like, obviously she's being needled. And she says, "I don't know if I'm gonna be any good, but if I don't try now, I never will." One of my professors says I have potential. It's not really clear. Like she's doing ceramics class. It's not clear if she's trying to do graphic design, architecture. It it's on un, it's unknown. They
0: definitely lost track of this storyline. Like yes. yeah. Initially, she went for graphic design and had to learn all of these. Um, all these different things, which she didn't have to go to Pratt to do. She could have just done that anywhere, probably.
1: Our local community college has, like, one-day courses on Photoshop.
0: Right. And so, yes, now she's in a ceramics class. She's, you know, in these different classes where she – it is getting farther away from – why she was there in the first place.
1: Jim and Pam leave the lunch and Pam tells Jim what her original prank was going to be. And as they're talking, he gets a text from his brother saying, Pam's really cool. Welcome to the family. So the the prank seems to maybe have been more on Pam to see if she was going to yell at them or cry or something. I don't really know. I don't know if this was just a storyline to get Jenna Fisher kind of involved in the episode. Get some camera time, yeah. Yeah, somehow didn't really play super great.
0: No. Neither does the other plot line in this episode. And at one point, and it's almost like it is weird that this happened during a Halloween episode. Right. Because... This almost feels like, the the introduction to this storyline feels like a continuation of Halloween. Because Dwight walks into the office at one point wearing his usual outfit, but with a Cornell sweatshirt over the top of it. And this is very clearly a plot to rile Andy up. But Dwight plays it off like... I'm applying to Cornell, and I'm I'm just kind of trying to get into it, essentially.
1: I can't tell if this is a reaction to the fact that Andy was handing out the Save the Dates. If it's a way to sort of get at Angela by annoying Andy... It's unclear, and I think this is why this is not a popular episode. It it doesn't land very well. A lot of the motivations or a lot of things are just sort of muddy and uncertain.
0: Yeah, it, it's like, it, if you think back to what Phyllis said to Dwight last episode of Angela isn't the type to take a risk and Andy isn't a risk. mm mm-hmm. It this is almost like Dwight trying to be more like Andy, but very li- in a very literal sense, unfortunately. Right. Um, in a way to yeah maybe make Angela feel differently about Dwight.
1: And Dwight is able to annoy Andy incredibly easy with this prank, let's call it, because Andy is a fanatic about Cornell. Even when he sees him wearing the sweatshirt, he's like, you need to take that off. Only a Cornell man can wear those colors. Where it's like, I went on an eighth grade class trip to Boston and we all bought a Harvard shirt. But I assure you, none of us were attending Harvard. People just buy sweatshirts to wear from colleges. Now, typically, you're not wearing Ivy League college sweatshirts because people get college gear based on their sports affiliations I would say. But each check-in with Andy and Dwight it's more just that Dwight pulls out another Cornell item to irritate Andy more. He has a mug, he has a pennant, he has a big red bear bobblehead and there's not really a whole lot more to it. Andy can't really possibly think that Dwight is seriously going to go to It's unclear, either undergrad or grad school at Cornell.
0: And while this may be the case, Andy is still going to do whatever he can to make sure that Dwight does not follow through with this. Andy says that he got in touch with the Board of Admissions at Cornell and he persuaded them, I guess, I don't know, got them to appoint him as Dwight's admissions interviewer. And so what we see go down, then just becomes a farce after this. Andy is asking questions about Cornell, about Dwight, and obviously Andy is not going to give Dwight credit for anything. And so Dwight tries to turn the tables on him by evaluating the interviewer that he will then turn into Cornell.
1: Can we just talk about a second who Dwight's three heroes are?
0: Very wide range, yes.
1: Dane Cook. Yeah. Jack Bauer.
0: Yeah. Eli Whitney. Yes.
1: Do you take Dwight for a Dane Cook listener? Not at all. Not at all. I cannot imagine Dwight enjoying Dane Cook comedy. This would have been the height of Dane Cook, though. Right.
0: Dane Cook is a very... I think about this every once in a while. (laughs) Dane Cook was massive.
1: I will say, I liked Dane Cook's shows. He
0: was massive. And, like, he just was the epitome of bro comedy. Yeah. And so I think that that's why maybe, like, I don't know, like every male at that time (laughs) liked Dane Cook.
1: I don't know why I liked it. It was just very quotable.
0: Right. And then he just was gone.
1: Yes. Very much so. And he was even in several movies around that time. He dated a lot of I don't know B-listers let's say and then he kind of just fell off like didn't make any more albums didn't do anything and then recently he's come back in the news because he's around his 40s I believe and he's dating like an 18 or 19 year old Um, legal but not great
0: yeah and so I don't think as far as I know I haven't done any research into this but like as far as I know he didn't get canceled for some reason or another no like, I think
1: he just stopped making
0: he wasn't like so controversial like his material wasn't that controversial that people were just kind of like a
1: right eh. it was juvenile in the raunchy sense and there was some funny you know bits sort of thing but other people came along and I I have to imagine for some comedians, at a certain point, you just get tired of constantly having to tour. I Maybe. guess it's like a musician.
0: And I don't think like his style of comedy went out of vogue. Now I would, I would argue that I don't think Dane Cook makes it now. No,
1: no, Dave Chappelle doesn't really make it now. Uh,
0: Dave Chappelle is
1: for. I don't for care his, for Dave Chappelle.
0: For his faults, Dave Chappelle has a lot of layers to his comedy and they are certainly layers that Dane Cook does not have. Let's I'll, say that.
1: I'll agree with that.
0: And so but yeah, I I don't think he makes it now. I think comedy is has evolved stand up at least has evolved now um I mean, I don't I'm trying to I'm trying Kevin Hart is still huge. I I'm trying to think if they have a similar comedic style so I don't know um but yeah I I I, as I said I I don't know why Dane Cook fell off the face of the earth basically is what this comes down to
1: for sure and just still bewilderment that Dwight is going to name him first in his list of three heroes right otherwise there's not a whole lot to the interview besides the fact that Andy is getting one-upped I would say, throughout the whole thing. We've seen this before. He just is kind of always playing catch-up to Dwight, and it ends up them trying to talk over each other.
0: Yeah. Andy does get the last laugh in this episode, though, where he reciprocates what Dwight does, shows up in just some overalls, carrying a box of beets, and acts like he is now a beet farmer.
1: I would say Dwight gets the last laugh because Andy can't explain why he's doing that, nor can Andy bite into a beat and he makes himself look silly.
0: Yeah. So that's all that happens in this episode. I This is a weird episode to watch in, yeah. in that nothing, like there is a big development in it, but it is not enough. It clearly wasn't enough to take up an episode because they have two very, very minor B plots where you're just kind of like, eh, that could have been they both of those could have should have been separated. Like, you could have had the Dwight and Andy stuff happen in an episode, and then the Jim and Pam lunch thing happen in a different episode, right? Having right. them happen in the same episode, and then going alongside a road trip where Michael and Holly break up. Gives you a pretty empty episode.
1: It is. It's. It's not a great one. It didn't get great reviews.
0: So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode.
1: One of my initial thoughts about this episode, and I every time I watch The Office, I have it. What is the timeline? Think back to the start of this season. Pam was on a twelve-week course at Pratt. We've said it several times throughout. Our episodes, it's just twelve weeks. It's now Halloween.
0: Episode one of this season opens up showing the date because it is the start of the weight loss challenge exactly. and it's June 30th.
1: Exactly. So by that logic, Pam should have been completed with this course with the certification by late September. So she's now there an extra month, and we know because my one of my all time favorite episodes is coming up next. She's still there, she's still there for a couple more weeks or a couple more episodes. We don't get a Thanksgiving episode with The Office typically, that's just not what they do. We do get a Christmas episode, and she is back around for that. It's just super bizarre that they another writer laziness, maybe. Like, I'm really as I'm watching this more critically getting very disappointed in the office writer's room. The only other tidbit I have besides that continuity issue of Holly's prior employment is Nashua to Scranton is only five hours, not seven. That doesn't change it a whole ton. It's a little bit easier to go halfway with that respect. Maybe a little bit easier to do in a morning drive.
0: I would say that changes the... The logic a little bit because so let's say you take a half day on friday you're getting there at five o'clock instead of seven or eight
1: yeah that's true it's a little bit more doable
0: and then you could leave at five o'clock on sunday instead of like two or three
1: yeah so I don't know why they didn't consult a map or what the reasoning of saying it's seven hours is. S-
0: super easy to do, really. <laughs>
1: right. So, Curtis, do we have any firings this episode?
0: No, I don't think so. Um, we do see Daryl in this episode, and he doesn't do anything to get fired.
1: No, he's very helpful, in fact.
0: He talks on his cell phone while driving, but at that point, that was not right. Found everyone still did that. Yeah. Do you have a Dundee to give out?
1: Yes, my Dundee is... The sequel is never as good as the original, and I guess it goes to the series as a whole and the writers um, more specifically because the Dwight-Andy storyline in this episode feels very reminiscent of the prank Jim pulled in which he dressed up as Dwight in one of the cold opens in season three, It just doesn't come off as great, especially when Andy comes in at the end dressed up as Dwight. What is your Dundee?
0: My Dundee is the Weird Family Trait Award, and that goes to the Halperts because there is a point during lunch where there's (sighs) a kind of an awkward break, and the camera is facing the brothers, and one of the brothers just does that weird, like, yeah (laughs) look at the camera thing that Jim does yeah and then the camera cuts over to Jim and Pam and Jim does the weird look at the camera thing that he does who is your employee of the month
1: I chose Daryl because again he was able to show up for a pretty good portion of this episode and not do anything fireable and he tried to be a source of comfort for Michael as they were driving back who is your employee of the month
0: I chose Creed because he had the best uh, Joker costume I gave and probably con- the best costume overall.
1: I gave consideration to that.
0: So that does it for this week's episode. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And be sure to keep listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, comment, wherever you can in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.